We're in Genesis 9 tonight, but we're also going to be bouncing down to uh, Psalm 19. Psalm 19, so if you want to put one finger in Genesis 9 and the other one in uh, Psalm 19, you'll know where we're headed tonight. I'm going to start with this. What happens on the other side of our obedience? And here's the truth. We don't really know. We think we might know what's on the other side of obedience. We might, you know, kind of guess some things like, if I obey my parents today, they're going to love me even more. If I obey my parents when they tell me to take out the trash, I might get paid for doing those chores. I don't know if that's like in your house, if that's something that happens. But when I was growing up, that's what motivated me, right? Uh, I, I got my allowance by taking out the trash when I got home from school. That was, if whatever mom said, I did it, I got paid. Many times, as it relates to our relationship with God, or even in our faith that we have with him, we always hear, obey God, obey God, obey God. You know what? We should. We should. One, because he's the creator of the universe. But so many of us lack the faith or the trust in God to believe what he has for us on the other side of our obedience. And I think that is one of the reasons, and we're going to talk about hindrance to obedience. I think that's genuinely one of the reasons why we don't really follow in complete obedience to God. And because we just never know what's on the other side. We just don't believe it. We don't have the faith that's necessary. Now, when we look at this story, that is a very popular story of Noah. How many, please tell me, you have heard that story of Noah. Raise your hand, you have heard that story. You may have read it in a children's book. You may have like heard it from a friend. You may have read it for yourself in Genesis 9. It is one of the definitive stories in the Bible of God's interaction with mankind. Last week, we talked about creation. This week, we're talking about Noah. These two pivotal stories really define a lot about who God is and his interaction with mankind. And with Noah, it is very unique because God gives Noah specific, detailed, by-the-inch instructions to do and to build a boat. And back then, nobody knew what a boat was. They called it an ark at that point. Anybody been to the uh, Ark Museum up in Kentucky? How many of you? Some of you are like, oh yeah, I know this story. You've seen how massive that ark is. They make scaled replicas of this. I would recommend, if you ever have a chance to go to the ark museum, go for it. And just see this. Because that story is not really a story. The fact of what God did to the earth to flood the earth and to save Noah and his family and enough animals to repopulate the earth. I asked the guys over there just a second ago, I said... Do you think fish were on the boat? That's a common sense question, right? No, they were swimming underneath it. (laughs) The ark was the shelter. That makes sense to me. Uh, So I bet you Noah looked over the bow of the boat and looked down and saw a shark or a stingray, you know, maybe a whale, humpback whale, you know, dolphins, you know, I think he probably saw all of those things. It's not in scripture, but I, you know, my imagination gets the best of me sometimes. Can you imagine what the ark smelled like? Ooh. Ooh. Roses, yes. Yeah, because roses were on the ark. Uh, so yeah, like this is, this is, I mean, if you really just start 
Let your imagination go wild. I'm pretty sure that almost all of those things that you would think would be about this are true. And so here we are. Noah receives specific instructions. And what does he do on the other side of those specific instructions? He takes a step of obedience. He takes a step of faith. He believes so much what he heard from God to be true that he actually started building a boat. Can you imagine the very first nail that he put in? The very first timber that he cut down to build this boat. And to make sure that he remembered every cubic foot of how this boat was to be made. How God had given that specific instructions down to the detail. And Noah stepped out by faith and said, okay, and believed every bit of it. Noah had no idea at the very beginning of his first step of obedience what was going to happen at the very end. No idea. He had no idea. We just read about the rainbow in the sky and the promise that would be given. We get the luxury of seeing the story as a whole, but for Noah, put yourself in those shoes or sandals. Put yourself in that moment. You hear the instruction of God. You have no idea what's on the other side of this. You have no idea that the actual flood is going to flood. <laughs> you have no, it has not rained like this nor flooded like this the earth ever, ever, ever. Much less to build a boat. Much less all the people that are watching this thing being built and going, what are you doing, Noah? Why are you doing this? What's the point? Where are, you, you know, all, are you crazy? All of those accusations. And Noah steps out in obedience and follows him and follows the Lord. Can you imagine the years that go by? The years that go by from the time that he heard the instruction to the time of the rainbow. This was not just a couple of days, y'all. It wasn't just a couple of hours. It wasn't even a year. It was several years. Several years of him building it, floating it, landing it, seeing a rainbow. You talk about many a time in us, we do not, when we walk out in obedience, we believe that it's only for a short time. But the reality is, of obedience with God is that it is a journey. It is a long obedience that's ahead of us. And what God is asking of us is not just, hey, I want you to be a Christian for your teenage years. Hey, I want you to be, I want you to love Jesus until you get to college. No. What God is asking of all of us, all of us, all believers in Christ, is that we would walk in obedience with him for a lifetime. And now with that lifetime of honoring and glorifying the Lord, what will happen on the other side of that, you may not believe it. But the reality of eternity is so beautiful. And the reality of it's more than just a rainbow in heaven to be in the very presence of God. And that is the reward of those who choose to walk in long obedience with God. And so um, our obedience, and we see this in Noah, reveals God's promises and his faithfulness. So if you have your talk sheet there, I think that's one of the very first ones. Our obedience reveals God's promises and his faithfulness. Like I said, this is long obedience. From the time that he heard the instructions to the time the rainbow showed up and the promise and the covenant, I will never flood the earth ever again. And this rainbow will be a sign to you in the promise and the covenant. You know what? He hasn't, he hasn't failed on that promise yet. 
We're still living today. There hadn't been a flood again, has there? Not that I know of. It's rained a lot, but it hadn't flooded the earth. And so God has been faithful to his promise, and we can trust that. As I started thinking about what obedience really is like, I'm going to teach you all a a Greek word. Are you ready for this? You all want to know Greek, don't you? You're like, oh, no, no, no. Hoopa akoe. Okay? Hoopa akoe. Y'all can say that with me. Ready? One, two, three. Hoopa akoe. All right? This Greek word means obedience. And that word, hoopa akoe, is a compound word. Y'all know what a compound word is? You take two words and slam it together, right? Um, A compound word. And so here it is in Greek, hoopa akoe means two things. It means the first one means here. Hoopa, that is the word here in Greek. Akoe or akoa means to under. The Greek word hoopa akoe literally means to hear under. And you're like, what is that? Hear under what? It's to hear instruction under the authority of someone else. Are you you're tracking with me? So far, so good? When you see the word obedience in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, because that's written in Greek, the Old Testament written in Hebrew, but in Greek, when you see that word obedience, it means to listen or to hear under authority. So hear the authority that's over your life and that you would respond and that you would follow in action to what you hear. And so um, I love that about, one, about God's word and how it just... It just teaches us so much about how when we hear with a heart that comes under authority of the spoken word, when God speaks and we submit to his authority and we obey, hupa akoe, that we would hear the instructions that are under authority and that we would walk in truth of that. And so, um, so many times we don't hupa akoe. And there's so many reasons why, why we, why we, what hinders our obedience to God. And so I, I started thinking through and just kind of sitting there, what does that look like? I mean, Noah, he responded like that. And I thought, what, why do I not respond like that? When I hear from God or when I'm seeking to understand or seeking direction for my life and I'm listening to the Lord, what, what are some of the things that hold me up? And some of these may really strike a chord in your heart, because it may be one of the reasons why it hinders you. First one is noisy lifestyle. A noisy lifestyle hinders obedience. It's, I'm too busy to stop. Can I get an amen on that one? Some of us are too busy to stop and listen. If we're going to hear from God, much less obey Him, then the noise of our life has got to stop. We read in Psalm how it says, Be still and know that I am God. The be still part means to simply just literally be still. Don't move. And many of us have gotten so good at the noise. You're managing the noise. That's what you're doing. The noise of your life, the noise of your phone, the noise of the busyness of school or athletics or all the things, all the demands, the jobs, the, your parents, your, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, managing family, it gets really noisy, right? And so many times that noisiness in our life hinders us from actually hearing from God, much less obeying Him. The second one is rebellion. 
Rebellion hinders obedience. It's the simple fact of, I don't want to. And you guys know this just as much as I know this. You probably know a rebellious person in your life. Whether they know it or not, you probably know how rebellious they are. You know who they are. And I would challenge you that only what may be holding you up is maybe realizing that I'm a rebellious person. I mean, there's so many tendencies in my heart and my life to rebel, to walk away and just say, I don't want it. I don't need it. And much less church or God, you just have a rebellious spirit, period. Maybe a rebellious spirit to your parents, to school, to your teachers, to any authority. You're like, nope, I ain't listening. Go on with your bad self. And that's your attitude. And that kind of attitude will really hinder obedience in so many ways. Another one is apathy. Apathy hinders obedience. Apathy simply says, I don't need it. The last one said, I don't want it. Now the apathy is, I don't need it. Who needs God? Who needs anything that God has anything to offer? Some of us had that same attitude even with our parents. You're so apathetic about your family, about your parents, about any, even some of your friendships. And you're so apathetic, you just like, I don't want it. I don't need it. You've just kind of given up to have this give up mentality. Another hindrance is unbelief. Some of us in the room just don't believe God. You don't believe in him. Maybe you don't know him. And that unbelief is hindering you from even walking in obedience. Maybe you just don't believe the reward. Maybe you just don't see it. I mean, we get to see the story of Noah. We get to see the, you know, the promise of God's faithfulness and the rainbow and all those kind of things. But you just don't believe it in your own heart. And so unbelief hinders your obedience. The last one is mistrust. Mistrust hinders obedience. It simply says, you can't be serious. Really? You can't be serious. Man, there are so many times either we fall into one of those categories or all of those categories. Like we get into that spot that simply says, I'm too busy. I don't want to. I don't need to. I don't believe it. You got to be serious. And it hinders us from walking in obedience to the Lord. I think I've made my case for a lot of us in this room. And here's what I would love for you to do. Look at your talk sheet. Look at those five hindrances. And maybe put an asterisk or a circle around the one you think you're leaning toward. This is probably what's hindering me from walking in obedience to God, much less the people around me. The authority in my life, any of those. And so maybe that may be one of yours. But that's not the story of Noah, is it? Noah responded instantly in obedience to God. Noah had no hindrances. He had absolute faith. And what he found on the other side of his belief and on the other side of his faith was that a joy of knowing, one, his life was spared, his family was spared, and that God was doing a new thing, and he got to be on the front lines of that. That's pretty cool. And so I want us to look at Psalm 19. If you have your Bible, go there. If you don't have a Bible, I have it on the screen for you. But Psalm 19, I want to start in verse 7. 
And I want us to talk about, for the next few moments, the benefits of obedience. The benefits of obedience. Psalm 19, 7 through 11 says this, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure and lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. What God is asking of all of us is that we would simply love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind, to hear his commands and for us to walk in obedience to those commands. Now, guys, let's just be real. For Noah, it was probably a hard thing to listen to the, you know, listen to the instructions in that moment. It was probably a hard deal for him to go, you want me to do what? And some of us have that same kind of doubt about maybe even some of the things God's calling us to do or to be a part of. You want me to do what? But I have to tell you, though, the instructions and the commands of God and what he would ask of us are good. They're amazing. But some of us just don't believe it. We don't believe that to be true. And so here you are, the benefits of obedience. And it comes straight from that verse that I just read to you. You ready to walk through it? Here it is. God's instructions are perfect. What God has for you, no matter what that instruction may be, is perfect, especially if it's coming from the Lord. God's instructions revive the soul. Some of us need that. Some of us need a revival to happen in our heart and our life. Some of us need to get things right. We may have been coasting through life or just believing that what I'm doing is okay. But in reality, maybe the Lord is just going, I have something much better for you if you would simply listen and obey. God's instructions are trustworthy. I feel like I'm trying to convince you to obey. (laughs) That's what it feels like. And maybe the Lord is doing that. Well, that's definitely what the psalmist wrote. But what he has for you, whatever that may be, is worthy of your trust. You can believe that. You can take it to the bank. God's commandments are right, and they bring what? Joy. Y'all, it's fun doing things God's way. I'm having a blast. I'm sure there could be others that are giving testimony to the same thing. I'm just, it's just fun walking with the Lord. I have peace in my life. I'm not worried about anything. Why should I be worried about anything? God's in control. Why should I worry about what my people think or the people around me think or living this life of comparison through my social media? Why would I want to do that? When the Lord has everything that is right and what he has is joy for my life. John 10.10, the abundant life that he has for us. God's commands are clear. They're clear and giving insight. If you want to know what the next step uh, in your life is, look intently into God's word and allow God's word to steer your feet wherever they go. 
God's commands are true and each one fair. I want to talk and camp out on this one because some of us believe, for whatever reason, that what God has for you in walking in obedience is unfair. And the reason why you believe that, it's just unfair. All my friends get to do this and they look like they're having a great time, but God, it's just unfair. I see the happiness that they have in their life and I want that happiness and you think that's just not fair because God desires us to live a pure and holy life to refrain from evil and wickedness, but all of my friends seems to look like they're having a great time. All the things that they're involved in, they're partying, they're all the things, it seems like they're having a great time, and I, here I am as a Christian guy, just pity party me because I can't go have fun with all those people. And you have convinced yourself that the commands of God, the lifestyle that God would ask you to live is unfair. When you live in comparison to the people around you. I can give testimony and I could probably bring a bunch of people up here in testimony that would simply say, when I discovered the joy of the Lord, it paled in comparison to the lifestyle of evil that I was living. And so many of us need to hear that. That what God has for you is just and right and fair. For in the end... Those that are living in that type of lifestyle will be judged and an eternity is in the balance for them unless they repent and they believe in who Jesus is. The last one is God's commands are more desirable than gold and sweeter than honey. You want something good in your life? Follow God's commands. Listen to his instruction. Fall under authority to God in your life. That means to hear under you would fall under the authority of God in your life and that you would pursue him a lifestyle of living for him those commands are more desirable than gold in other words I crave to know what God has for me in my life I want to know what he has for me and I'm going to walk in obedience to that and then those commands are sweeter sweeter than honey when we all come to the realization that obedience is a good thing Trust me, that connection you have with God goes so much deeper, so much deeper. I was praying earlier with a group of students. We were kind of walking the room and just asking the Lord. And I was over here praying at the altar, and this phrase came over my head, my heart. And I'm going to tell you what I believe the Lord is telling us tonight. Would you fall in love with obedience? What would it look like for you in your life to fall in love with obedience to the Lord? That that's the pursuit of my life. What I desire for my life is not just to sit idle on the sidelines or wait for someone else. My desire for my life is that I would pursue Obedience, that would fall in love with obedience. For some of us, we have been duped by the evil one to believe that obedience is evil. That it's not right, that it's unfair, that it's no good. That God wants to put your finger on you and he wants to hold you down. And he's going to use these all these commandments and commands to hold you down so that you will not have a joy in life. 
And I'm here to declare to you, it's not true. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. I'll put the final thought up there. What would it look like for you to surrender in obedience to a loving and life-giving commands of God in your life? I just want you to ask yourself that question. Obviously, in the story of Noah, in the context of Noah, we see what happened, the benefit of that. And let that be an example to us. Let that be a truth for us. I see his obedience, and I see the, the blessing of obedience in his life. Why can't I be like a Noah? Why can't I do the same? What, if, what would it look like for you to surrender in obedience to a loving and life-giving commands of God in your life? Every Wednesday night, I'll offer an invitation. And this is a simple invitation. And it's an invitation to the gospel. And the gospel is this, that God absolutely loves you and he has something for you. And that something that he has for you is an eternal life. But it's not just eternal life in heaven, but it's an abundant life and a peace-filled life here on earth. He loves you that much because the realization that sin has hindered you from your relationship with him. He has blocked you are blocked from that relationship because of the sin in your life. Now, sin is all those things that would hold us up. It's all the things that you would think sin is. And many of you have sin in your life, and that sin is blocking your relationship with God. It's hard to listen to God when you have sin blocking that. It's hard to walk in obedience to God when you've never surrendered your heart and your life to God in the first place. And as we make a decision and seeing the love of God and seeing what he did in providing salvation for us through Jesus Christ on the cross. For the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you've heard that verse before, say amen. amen. That verse is so true. It displays the love of God, but it also displays the sacrifice that God did on your behalf so that you would have eternal life. Y'all, I'm just going to be completely blunt and honest with you. Maybe the first step of obedience for you in your life is that you would say yes to Jesus. That you would believe in your heart. That you would say in your heart and in your mind, you know what, God, I see what you have done. And I hear the instruction of God. Remember, hupa akoe. That I would hear under authority. Hupa Akoe, that maybe for some of us in this room, we would hear, okay, great illustration right here. I was talking with Andrew Cross today. He's our young adults pastor. And he was helping me pronounce Hupa Akoe because I was struggling, to be quite honest. He said, this is what it means. He said, when I was in high school, I wrestled. Do we have any wrestlers in the room? Do you have any like, legit wrestlers? You're on the mat. And so here you are. It is right before you're fixing to go out on the mat, and the coach brings you in, and he puts his arm around your shoulder, and he brings you in. He says, hey, there's an opponent across the way, and that opponent over there, he's going to sweep your right leg first. He says, the very first step that you make on the sweep, if you pull that right leg back, you can pull him down to the ground real easy. That coach just gave him a specific instruction, hoopa, 
a co-way, under authority. That wrestler, Andrew, had an option. He had a choice on whether he was actually going to pull that leg back and go for the pin. And so he walks out onto the mat and decides, okay, right leg, I'm going to do it. That's obedience right there. That's a picture of obedience right there. And for some of us, this picture of obedience is saying God pulling us in right now in this moment and saying, guess what? I have something incredible for you. You know what that's, you want to know what's incredible? Is I want you to look at that cross right there. I want you to see what I did for you. And if you would simply repent of your sin, believe what I did for you on the cross for you, and that you would receive me into your life, I got your back for the rest of your life. 